Good morning. A little bit later in the morning. Good, good morning. How are you all? I'm good. Thank you. No one's ever asked me back. How are you? I'm good. Welcome to everyone and welcome to those who are here with your family and they brought you. Well done for coming. Those who came willingly and those who pretended to come willingly, well done for coming. I understand. Yeah, I understand. I grew up in the church. It is wonderful to have you all with us. Today's a good day. Yeah? We celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And uh, without that, we have nothing, which I hope to show you today in a very kind of a, maybe a different way than you've seen or heard it before. But I'd love to start off. Um, I kind of surprised him. Jacob, can you come up here, buddy? This is my close friend's son, and as we get older, he will become my friend too. But I asked him to come up and read just a little bit of the first few verses of Matthew, uh, of Matthew 28. He just found out a couple, couple minutes ago. Can we have a mic? So I just thought it would be great to hear from a young man what happened. Go for it, bud. Now, after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow, and the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who is crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, and indeed he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. That's awesome. Thank you. Well done. Give him a hand. Well done. I love it. Behold, I have told you. I know that's a declaration of truth, but I, I used to see it as an angel. He's like, I have one job. I have one job. I have one job. All right, I've done it. I've told you. I did it. So could you go to Luke 24? I'm going to read it again. Different, different gospel here. Different uh, book. It says, verse 1, Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing spices which they had prepared. Now, it's very interesting to me that this happened because how many times, I think it was about nine if you calculate it, that the Lord told his disciples, this is what's going to happen, I'm going to die, I'm going to rise on the third day. He explained it to them, he told them, they're bringing spices for his body. Meaning what? They didn't believe him. Or they didn't understand. Hello. They did, had no clue, no, oh, here we go. Are we good? Yep. Sorry, that happened in the first service. I thought, here we go again. They had no, in a sense, awareness. I mean, it never happened before. There's a big difference between being raised from the dead and resurrection. Lazarus was raised from the dead, but he died again. Jesus is alive. Being, raised from, being resurrected means I've conquered death. Let me say this. I didn't say this in the first service. I don't know why this is coming up in my spirit. If you watch zombies and all of that, that's, that's fine. I'm not saying you're bad or evil. I'm, all I'm, I'm just saying what I'm saying. There was only one who ever came out of the grave with marks on him what killed him and was yet alive. And that was Jesus Christ. He said, touch me, Thomas. Touch the, my hands and my feet. And he sighed. Imagine what his back looked like from the whipping. You could see on him what killed him, but it no longer affected him. That's resurrection. So, he told them many times, they didn't believe him. Never happened before. Never anything like this happened, ever. So, he, so they say, but they found the stone rolled away from the tomb, verse 2. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men, those are angels, stood by them in shining garments. And then as... As they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he spoke to you. It's like they're saying, He told you. Remember how he spoke to you, saying, 
The Son of Man must be, must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. They're like, yeah, he told you. Remember? Yeah, that's happened. So that is a wonderful truth. And today, I'd like to tell you a story, if I can. Um, I'm going to see how it comes out this service. But I want to focus a little bit on what actually happened from the beginning to the end. So we're going to be here for 12 days. And No, I'm going to try to do this as fast as I can. We're going to read a lot of scripture, but I, I, I'd like to try and give a story and, and to tell a story. Many thousands of years before uh, Jesus came onto the earth or into the earth, there was a man by the name of Job. He's chronologically the earliest that we know of because Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible, but Job lived before Moses. And Job says this. Job said in Job 14, he said, if mortal man dies, can he live again? The fact that that question comes up in his heart because he was really close to the beginning. If mortal man dies, can he live again? It's a very fascinating question. And Jesus comes along <clears throat> later in, when he's speaking to Martha. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Resurrection and the life. And he who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. He's saying, listen, you're all going to die in terms of physical death. You all die. But if you believe in me, I will take you right through that. I will take you through death. You will not fear death, as you'll see later. And whoever lives, meaning when he comes back, for those who believe in him and are still alive, they will actually never face death. That's what the next sentence means. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Imagine Jesus saying a truth to you, he is the truth, and then he looks at it and says, do you believe it? Do you believe this? It's important why. Romans 10, well-known verse, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, in other words, that Jesus is Lord, not that he is Savior, that he is Lord. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So salvation like hinges on the resurrection, on the truth of the resurrection. Not just believe in your heart, believe Jesus. No, believe that God physically, bodily raised him from the dead. Then you'll be saved. So the question might arise, if I didn't go to church and I didn't wasn't raised in the church, and I didn't have Christianese language, you know. My dad once had a, a sit-down with someone in his distant family that he had never met, was their girlfriend, and they asked him, um, oh, you like a priest or something? And, and they, they just had no reference about it, and someone said, you know, about being saved. And she said, saved from what? Because if you've never been in the church, if you've never heard the gospel, what do you mean saved? That's what the Bible says, then you'll be saved. Saved from what? So let's go have a look. Why does man need to be saved? Have you ever asked yourself what's wrong with the world? There's something wrong. Look around. If I was being truthful, I'd say look in the mirror. I look in the mirror, I see still stuff wrong. There's something wrong. Policies won't fix it. They can help. They won't take what's wrong away. Why does man need salvation? The simple answer, sin and death. Death has always been with us. I know this is, a, this is a, we're celebrating life today, but we're going back to the beginning, all right? So it gets good. But death has always been with us. Have you ever thought to yourself, where did death come from? Because the way the Bible teaches it, and the way the scriptures teach it, they, first it references sometimes death as a person, as a being. And it says the last enemy to be destroyed will be death. And there's a time in scripture where death did not exist. Where did death come from? We don't think like that because everyone dies. It sounds cruel to say this, but it's not cruel. It's that war does not increase death. It speeds it up, but death is total in every generation. Death and taxes. <laughs> everyone dies, right? But what happens and how you face death, that's important. That's important. So where did death come from? So we go to the Garden of Eden, right in the very beginning. Genesis 2. The Lord God took man, put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and keep it. 
And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of the tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. So the enemy comes along, the next chapter, chapter 3, and he, he says, Did God really say? Gets them to doubt God's word. We know the story. I'm not trying to focus on the fall of man today. But he says in verse 4, you will not surely die. You know, when the enemy comes and says something in your heart, it's not like, whoa, 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 in your head, like a voice out of the sky or out of the hell. It's, it's just something that sometimes a thought comes in your heart. The enemy says things that are close to the truth. They sound like truth. If I wanted to hide a truth, how would I do it? It's like saying, well, there's a needle in a haystack. I understand, but at least they're very different. I would put a needle in a room of a 10, 10 million pins. It looks almost the same, but it's not. And he says, you will not surely die, and when they ate of the tree, they didn't drop dead. So they're like, well, I mean, yeah, it's kind of right. But there's something much bigger that God's talking about. Much bigger. The condition of death in a human heart. He says this, he says, you will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, in the Hebrew, good and evil, is not, it doesn't mean right and wrong. It means from good to evil, full knowledge. You will have full knowledge, and God's holding back on you. And if you want to be like him, he doesn't want you to be like him, so he's holding back, and that's why he told you not to do that. In our modern-day language, that's what's happening. And so they say, oh, okay. So they believe him, and they obey him. Now, he's deceiving them. He's the first trickster, the first magician, the first deceptor. And they obey him. In, obe in obedience to him, the Bible says, you become a slave to whom you obey. In obedience to him, they become subject to him. And they suddenly start to see God through the devil's eyes. Because the next thing they did, they were afraid of the Lord. And God never gave them a reason to be afraid. And they hid away. Who was afraid of the Lord? The devil. So that's what happened. And when they sinned, things entered into the earth, into man, into mankind, with sin. What entered with sin? Well, a few things, but mainly wages and wisdom. What do I mean by wages? The Bible says in Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. What did God say? You will die. You will surely die. Death entered through sin. Romans 5 says it this way. Therefore, just as through one man, that's Adam, sin entered the world, and death through sin. Because the end of sin is death. The end of sin, take it to the end, it's death. And so death came through sin, and thus death spread to all men. And from that day, from that moment, then natures were changed. And they are still, and we are still made in the image of God, but the, the, the nature within a man, within a person, within mankind, went from being the God-type nature to being bent and twisted and marred and broken. The Bible calls it a sin nature. Some people call it the human condition. The Bible calls it the flesh. It is twisted. And self became the center, became my throne, me. I am the most important, me. Think of a child. Mine. Well, at least that was like, I heard that in my house. My mother-in-law is here. She can testify. That's what they did. Where does that come from? Death came through sin. But it's not just death as in we die. That, it is that, but it's more. It's the condition of death. The condition of death within a person. Secondly, what came is Wisdom. And this is why it's such a deception that the enemy played. Why? It's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And it says their eyes were open. So something changed. And it says Eve saw the tree and she said, it's desirable to make one wise. And so they took it and they did receive wisdom, but it's a fallen human wisdom, not the wisdom that God had for them in innocence and beauty and life and clarity. They received a different wisdom, a fallen human wisdom. And the center of that fallen human wisdom, Billy Graham used to say, he's one of my heroes, he used to say, sin is like a disease and it affects all of you. 
It affects every part of you, even the way you think. And one of the centers of that, that, that fall in human nature is that we think we can of ourselves fix the issue. That's why the very first action they took, very first thing they did was try to fix it, make clothes. Oh, we're naked. We didn't understand that before. Let's quickly, we'll fix it. We'll take care of it. And that is part of the center of that nature. That's why the enemy won such a victory of a man in the garden. Not only did he bring death in, not only through sin did he bring death in, but he makes them think that they can of themselves fix the problem. It's part of that nature. I've heard many people over the years, I've watched famous people say it, I've watched talk shows, they say, surely if you just live a good life, we've all heard it. And then even different beliefs, well, I put good out into the universe. Whatever that means. And then the good will come back. That's actually, by the way, rooted in Hinduism and all of that. But, but good out and good will come back. If I just live a good life, where does that thought come from? From the condition of death, I can fix it. From the condition inside, I can fix it. I don't need God. I know what to do. And the Bible says in Proverbs, there is a way that seems right to a man with that beautiful Fallen wisdom. It seems right to a man, but in the end, it's the way of death. Why? Because it's coming from the condition of death. Hello? It's good news today. We're going to get there. And what happened? Mankind's fellowship with God stopped, broken, over. Mankind's fellowship with God was cut. And the Bible says that we actually have, we became at enmity, hostile even. Why? Because of that, the way that we started to think. And we needed to change our minds. So a couple thousand years ago by, and God's like, all right, I'm going to put my, what do we do about this? So with Moses, God puts his righteous requirement into the earth, called the law. Oh, wait, the law. I'm trying with my American, the law, the law, 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 law. My wife's just like, stop, stop. L-A-W, that word. So he puts the law into the earth, okay? Why? The Bible tells us why. Obviously, he wanted to reveal part of himself. I understand that. But he puts his law into the earth to show mankind what? Well, let's read. Romans 5.20. I'm reading out of the Passion because it's just easier to understand. So then, the law was introduced into God's plan to bring the reality of human sinfulness out of hiding. He put the law, he said, this is my demand for fellowship. Live up to this. And the Bible teaches us that he did that to show us that we can't do it. Because in that nature was, I can do it. He said, okay. I mean, we're summarizing like a lot. So he said, all right, I'm putting my law into the earth to reveal to man their condition. To reveal it to them. To show it to them. That's why Jesus got so upset with the Pharisees, the super religious leaders, when they changed and adapted the law and made it, they can now live up to it because they thought the law was everything. Jesus said, you missed the point. The point was to show you that you need a divine rescuer. That's the point. And that is actually what the Bible teaches. But in that law is a few strange verses. And it shows you that in order for this issue to be dealt with, it has to be done through the shedding of blood. But that shedding of blood, it has to be a substitutionary sacrifice. The blood has to be perfect and innocent, but it also has to be a substitution, a life for a life. And there's no one ever been born on the earth that has that purity, that sinlessness in them. Because we're all born in Adam. We're all born in the human race with that condition of death, with that sin nature. So now what? So they put a temporary measure in place, the blood of bulls and goats. Innocent blood. Innocent blood, but not substitution. So more every year, over and over and over and over and over. So, so what do we do? Because this is the story of Scripture. What do we do? Romans 8 says, for what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, meaning the, the law 
to us our flesh. We, we couldn't live up to it. So the law couldn't fix the problem. The law can point to an issue, but it can't fix it. But it can't point to it, saying, oh, there's a problem. I said it like this to the first. It just came up in my mind as, we were, as I was preaching. It's like if I, if I was riding on the law's back, like a piggyback, you know, and I'm trusting the law for my salvation. That's like the law will fix it. But the law can just point. And then there's bear coming. And it says, problem, I want, I want it to run away. It can't fix the issue. It can just point and say, there's a problem over there. Problem, 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 problem. Right? That's what the law can do. It can point, it can reveal the issue. It can show you that there's an issue. That's what the law was designed to do, to show you there's a problem with man. 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 Every time you mess up, oh, you messed up. That's a problem. There's a problem. There's a problem. There's something wrong. There's something wrong. But it can't deal, it can't fix it. So what happens? It says, for what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God did. That's all we need to read. For what the law could not do, God did. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, in the likeness of a human, on account of sin. The New Living Translation says it this way. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature, that condition of death. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like ours, and in that body God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for sin. Why? Because it has to be a substitutionary sacrifice. There's a major truth that I'm trusting we can grasp in our hearts today and take it forward. Why? Because it actually will keep you free. That Jesus didn't just die for you. He did, but he didn't just die for you. He had to die as you. He had to die as you. Because if he didn't die as you, the integrity of God and the sanctity of the holy law would be compromised and we actually would have all just been dust instantly. God's integrity has to be kept intact. He keeps, everything, he keeps everything up with the power of his word. And for the integrity of God to be intact, the son said, I'll do it, Father. I'll become like the ones we made. That's what the Bible says. Look here. Philippians 2, talking about Christ, who being in very nature God, held in slavery by the fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. That's mankind. For this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God. And that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he is tempted. He is able to help those who are suffering. Jesus had to be made human in every way. Why? So that the integrity of God, the law of God would be fulfilled and matched. And the justice of God would be met all at the same time. It had to be a substitutionary sacrifice. Look at 1 Corinthians 15. For since by man, Adam, condition of death... So since by man came death into the world, by man, capital M, the Messiah, the King, Jesus, fully God, fully man, by man came resurrection. For as in Adam all die, you're born with a condition of death, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. We see it again. Jesus didn't just die for you, he died as you. With one difference. No condition of death inside. No condition of death in here. No sin nature in here. That's why you had to be born by the Holy Spirit through a woman. To be physical. To, but no sin nature. Never bowed to the devil. And he was tempted in every way, the Bible says, as you are. But yet was found without sin. Big difference. So if, question... Where did death come from? Now we know. What are we going to do about it? We need a substitutionary sacrifice that has no condition of death. So if Jesus has no condition of death, firstly, if he could, if, what defeated death? What did Jesus use to defeat death? Might be surprising to some of you. It was not his divinity. 
because he was fully God and fully man. Yeah, it wasn't. Because if he, could, if he was going to use divinity to overcome death, why come down? Why not just do it from there? It's not like the devil's a threat to God. God made him. Done. Why come down? Why suffer? Why go to the cross? Why be mocked, scorned, spat on, whipped? Psalm 22, they've pierced my hands and my feet. He says, I can count all my bones. I don't think we know how he suffered. Why do that? Because he loves you. You want to raise it all and start again? Because of love. For God so loved the world. That's why. So how did he defeat death? Sinlessness. The wages of sin is death. Jesus faced death with no sin. It's a wage. It's owed to you. Jesus faced death. No sin inside. And death is like, uh, hmm, not sure what to do here. Satan, someone. <laughs> That's what happened. Bible says he's the captain of our salvation. He went into the deepest recesses of the earth when he died. You know, the, the Jews in the day where they were doing the feast, the feast of Passover, the Passover lamb, that's the day he was killed. The very next day, another feast starts. The feast of unleavened bread. Leaven stands for sin. The feast of unleavened bread, Jesus goes into the earth with no sin. Think about it. Everything fulfilled. He goes into the earth and faces the devil and faces Satan as the captain of our salvation and says, give me the keys. That's what he did. Why? No condition of death. But let me ask you another question. If there's no condition of death in Jesus, what was there? What was there inside of him? Because I'm the resurrection and the life. Let's read it. The life of Jesus at his death. In the beginning was the Word, that's Jesus, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's speaking about the Lord. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, not death. In him was life. It's an incredible story if you see it, through death and life, you know, goggles. <laughs> in him was life. And that life was the light of men. Why? When Adam and Eve ate, it says their eyes were opened. You know what it says in the New Testament when people got saved? It says their eyes were opened. To life, not to death. I could even say that Adam, it's not quite true, but so don't hear what I'm not saying. That Adam was like the first person born again. He was born from life to death. And through Jesus Christ, we are born from, life, from death to life. All things were made through him. Without him, nothing was made. In him was life. And that life is the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness cannot comprehend it. That word is overcome it. It cannot control it. It cannot overcome it. It cannot understand it. It cannot comprehend it. It cannot touch it. Because it's from heaven. The life of God that was in Jesus Christ. What was the sentence before in him was life? Everything that was made was made through him. It's the same life. Let there be light. Let there be infirmament between the earth and the skies. Let there be water. It's the life. It's God's life, creation, power in Christ. Nothing like it. Brimming inside of him. Like a, just overflow. It's like a bomb that wants to explode. Life in Christ. No death, life. Eternal life. Life eternal, everlasting life. God's life. When he rose again, he breathed on them. Oh, life just like God breathed into Adam. That's inside of him, inside of Jesus Christ, yet he's a man. He came as a man, but for something inside of him. That's what he said. I have come that they may have life. They were already alive when he said that. 
He's not talking about like you and me being alive. He's talking about something else. I have come that they may have life. And then they may have it more abundantly or that they may have it to the full. In other words, he says you have some, but it's, it's not the real thing. It's not what we intended. Because something happened and you were bent. You still made in my image, but you bent and twisted and marred. I'll tell you what I'll do, Father. I'll go. And I'll become like them. We made them in our likeness and in our image. But that likeness and image was twisted when they obeyed the devil. So I'll humble myself and I will be made like my creation. I will go and be made in their likeness and their image, but inside very different. So now you have Christ on the earth. This story. Now he's here. Now it's time for him to die. He said, for this hour was I born. I love Peter. <laughs> I'm going to go and die again. Peter's like, no, you won't. I'm going to save you. The condition of death. It's like, shut up, Peter. In modern day language. So what does Jesus, how does Jesus describe the cross? His death. How does, what, what language does he use? What is the first description, the first title, the first name given to the Messiah in the Bible? The word seed. That's what God said to the devil. My seed. I'm, something will come. The seed, the Messiah, that will crush you. Seed, the first name. First title given to you. So what does Jesus use to describe his death? Very interesting. The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Speaking about the cross, John chapter 12. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat, some translation will say seed, it's the same thing. Unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. If I have a seed in my hand... I can hold it and be like, oh, I got a seed. No, good for me. What I hold, if it was an apple seed, I hold an orchard in my hands. But it's small. When I plant that seed, the seed dies. I can never pick that seed up again. It dies. But it produces millions of seeds. Jesus had life within him. He said, I have something in me that is not what's in you. And I have come to find a way to put what's in me in you. And the first thing I have to do is I have to die because I'm a seed, Peter. I'm a seed, people. I'm a seed, children of man. And you all have something in you and you don't understand it. You're coming with your spices to, I'm not there, I've risen. You don't understand it. I have to die. I have to die. And when he died, friends, that's everything in him was released. He was broken. The Bible says that when Moses struck the rock and water came out of it, in 1 Corinthians 10 it says, that rock represents Christ. He has to be struck by his own creation that the what's inside will come out. And that's what happened on the cross. He was struck by those he made to release the power of God inside of him. Not just healing a body. Not just raising one person from the dead like Lazarus that would die again. Life for all of humanity inside of him. So what did that look like? When that actually happened on the earth. If you were there that day, what did it look like? <laughs> well, let's read. Matthew 27. You guys still alive? Isn't it amazing when you see it as a story? Sometimes we get so trapped on a part. But there's a story, a love story here of the power and the wonder of God. Moses, uh, not Moses 27, nope. Matthew 27, verse 45. Now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over all the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So for three hours, there's darkness on the earth. Sixth hour, the ninth hour, I won't go through it as much as I did in the first service. It's 12 noon to 3 p.m. It's not like we think, 6 to 9. I can give you all the reasons for that afterwards, but the days weren't like ours. They didn't count it the same. From middle of the day to 3, lights go out. 
There was NASA has done has done research and they have proved they've done thousands of years have gone back. They've proved there was no eclipse at that time, lunar, solar, any time. The lights went out. Supernatural occurrence. Gone. Imagine you were there that day. All of a sudden, lights go out. No explanation. Lights are gone. Middle of the day. Sun's out, beautiful day, poof, dark, like, like that. What would you do? I don't know what I'd do. Grab my kids, maybe, stand still. Let's just wait. It'll pass. You know? What do you do? <laughs> three hours. Why? The lights went out for three days when the Passover lamb in Exodus was killed. It was a prophetic statement. Three days, the lights go out. So now, three hours, the lights go out. It's the cosmos saying, this is the real lamb. This is the real thing. This is the lamb of God who came to take away the sin of the world. So the cosmos testifies to the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. There's no explanation for that. Then what happened? Go to verse um, 50. And Jesus cried out with again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. It is finished. That's what he cried out. Then behold, so then he died. The life inside of him is released. And what happens? Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two, 60 feet high. This is 25 feet, 30 feet wide. It's wide as a man's hand. They say horses couldn't pull it apart. 300 people couldn't manipulate it. I mean, it took 300 people to do something with it. The way to the most high, the presence of God ripped from top where no man can get. So now you're walking around, the, you're walking around, God comes literally and rips open the veil. Incredible noise. Something that thick, that big, that heavy. Rips. So you're walking around, now it's darkness. So you're like, uh, and if you're near the temple, there's a cr weird, crazy loud noise, and then the lights come back. It was, happened at the same time. And then there's an earthquake. <laughs> All of a sudden there's an earthquake. If you were there on that day when the life of Christ was released, you'd be like, what is going on? The earth shook. Let's read. It says, behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the earth quaked. And the rocks were split. He was the rock that had to be crushed. The rocks were split, the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. I mean, there's stuff going on. You know, it's, it's not a normal day. It's like, how was your day? Well, I mean, yeah. Think about it. Why? The testimony of the heavens. That's our creator. The testimony of the law, the curtain ripped open. God says the law is fulfilled. The testimony of the cosmos, the testimony of the heavens, the testimony of the law, the testimony of creation in the earth, shaking. Everything changed. Everything changed. At the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, literally, he was a seed that was crushed. And when he was crushed, life was released. But yet, with all of that, think about it, with all of that, the Bible says, if he did not rise, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. <laughs> Let's read it. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 12. Now, if Christ is preached, like I'm doing, that he has been raised from the dead, which he has, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection from the dead? But if there is no resurrection from the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is empty. Yes, we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. 
Even though the Bible says by his death you were redeemed. By his death you were reconciled. By his death the payment was made. By his death life was released. But it says here, if he didn't rise, your faith is futile. So with all of that that happened, resurrection needed to come. Why? Why? Well, if Christ did not rise, it was actually saying that he was not found to be sufficient. That his blood was not sinless. That he was not the Lamb of God. If Christ did not rise, we are in fact in our sins. Because the blood of Jesus Christ, he would have never walked into the most holy place in heaven and put his blood on the mercy seat if he was still trapped in the earth. He would have never gone up there. If Christ did not rise, he would not be in heaven as our advocate, as our lawyer. Lawyer. Well, I don't know. He would not be in heaven as our advocate. So every time we make a mistake and the enemy comes and puts the law, the enemy uses the law as a whip and says, look what you did. The advocate to him says, paid by blood. Shut up, devil. Sorry to be so crass, but that's just literally what happens. He would not be there to do that. If Christ did not rise, he would not have sent the Holy Spirit, which was a major part of the point. By the way, I will send upon you. You should rejoice, he said, that I have to go. Because if I don't leave, I can send the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that it's only the Spirit of God that can enter a human heart and bring this truth alive inside of you. It's not about evidence. People search, search for proof and evidence. Is not the gospel for the normal man? Is not the gospel for the whole world? Is not for intellect and those who have been trained through lawyers and, and doctors and very smart people who can weigh evidence and find proof and do... No, it's not... What about the uneducated man? What about the simple man? What about the man who doesn't have any money, who's never been educated, who doesn't know how to weigh evidence? Is the gospel not for him? It is for him. Because Jesus had to send the Holy Spirit, but the Bible says, by the power of the Spirit, the world will receive conviction of sin. If he did not rise, every sermon would rest on nothing and dead ears and empty hearts. That's why the disciples, they, he, he told them, I'm doing, and they didn't believe him until he saw them and they saw him and he breathed life. Then the same people stood up in Acts 4 and preached about the resurrection. Because the Spirit of God entered them. It's not about evidence. But the good news, verse 20, but now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruit, one seed to many seeds. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. That means dead. The Bible's very polite sometimes. Those who have died. For since by man came death, we read this, that's first Adam, in condition of death, death to the world, by man, Christ, also came the resurrection from the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all will be made alive. Friends, if you are on this earth, you are in one of two states. And if you didn't know, by the way, that means everyone in the room. If you didn't know that, this, we need to help you. But if you're on this earth, which you all are, you are in one of two states. I call it federal headship. You are either under the federal headship of first Adam with a condition of death inside that's telling you God's not real. I don't need this. I can fix it. I, I, I. Or you are under the federal headship of Jesus Christ and you know you needed a savior and he has put his life in you. It's that or that. Any race, color, creed, age, nation, country, culture. One of those two. See, it's really that simple. And it's love. Jesus is not the only way because he's not inclusive. You know, modern day, I don't think he's very inclusive. No, it's because he's the only one who had no death inside. Only he can give you life. 
Only he can change your heart. He conquered death. Never to die again. See, because the death of Christ, friends, the death of Christ released a life that was in him. But the resurrection of Christ made it possible for him to put that life inside of you. Big difference. Big difference. And he puts that life inside of your heart. And you know what comes with that life? <coughs> Sorry. Some wonderful things. Firstly, righteousness. He takes his righteousness. He lived up to God's perfect demand on your behalf. When you get saved, he takes his righteousness and puts it on you. So when God looks at you, he sees his son. That's called grace. That's called love. Because of him, he makes you at peace with God. Because he's at peace with God. <coughs> Sorry. Lord put peace in my throat. I just swallowed wrong, that's all. I'm not, don't worry, I'm not sick. People are like, oh my goodness. In his death, life was released. Friends, he came to change the condition of death that you were born into. It's actually justice. Why? Think about it. Because it's not your fault you were born into that. So Jesus said, I'll pay the price. It's the justice of God. But there's something inside of people that goes, there's a way that seems right to me. And I'm telling you, that is the way of death. What must I do? People who are here, that have politely come with your families. Well done. You may have not heard it that way before. That is the truth. I know. I was not a good man. And God changed me. That is the truth. And some people, you know, they, will, they beat you with repentance. You do need to repent. Why? Repentance means to change the way you think. Because the disease of sin inside of you is what's causing you to think, I don't believe, I don't think, I'm okay, I don't need... The Bible says to, be, to repent from dead works. People don't like the word. You know what dead works is? Anything that I do that I think I can earn what Jesus did. It's just that condition of death speaking. And I had to do that. Most in this room say, God, I can't do it. And that's the point. That doesn't make you weak. That makes you human being. No one ever could. That's the point. So I need your life. We had a young man come and get saved after the first service. He said, I never understood it like that. I need that life inside of me. Because you are either an Adam or you are in Christ. And if you're an Adam, you will face death. Everyone will. But you will face death in Adam with the condition of death. If you're in Christ, you face death with life. And that life is God's life. And that life overcame death. And that life darkness cannot overcome. And that life is not afraid of the devil and death and sin and the grave. So you will face him with life that is not from you. Can we stand? You know, Jesus Christ is alive. That's why Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. It all makes sense now. If you are here today, I'm going to close in prayer. The reason I call you publicly is because everyone Jesus called, he called publicly. <laughs> everyone Jesus called, he called publicly. If you are here today, you may have heard this, what I'm about to say many times, but I, if the Holy Spirit is knocking on your heart, you will know, and you're saying, I actually need Christ. I recognize I need him. I'm going to pray, but after that, I'm going to ask you just to come up here, and just you and me, I'll pray with you. 
and we'll make sure that you leave with life inside of you. It's a good day. Yeah? Who knows that that life is inside of you? Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. And who knows that when you mess up, which we all do, even me, <laughs> mostly me, when we mess up, that life doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. Father, I thank you for your grace and the good news of the gospel of your son, Jesus Christ. Jesus, I thank you that you loved us so much that you came down and said, Father, I'll do it. I'll take care of it. Ah, oh, what a good news. We love you, Lord. We thank you and we bless you and we honor and celebrate you this day. In Jesus' name. Amen. Enjoy Easter. I'll see you Friday night for Seth Dahl and Saturday and Sunday. Enjoy. Bye, guys. Wonderful. Good morning, Free Life Church, and happy Resurrection Sunday. We are so glad you've joined us today to celebrate our risen Savior. We would love to connect with you. Connection cards are a great way to let us know if you're new to us, any needs or comments you may have, or how we can connect with you. To submit a card, simply scan the QR code on the back of the seat or visit the Connect page on our website. If you are a first-time visitor, please stop by the Connection Corner in the lobby to receive your welcome bag. We look forward to meeting you. Next weekend, we are excited to host guest speaker Seth Dahl. Join us for sessions on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday as Seth shares his heart for encouraging families to grow in deeper relationships that change our culture and our world. Don't miss this incredible weekend. See our events page for more details. Calling Moms of Littles. If you have little feet pattering around, or soon will, and you're looking to grow in your relationships with other moms of young children, join the Moms of Littles get-together on April 29th from 9.30 to 11.30 a.m. For full details and to register, follow the QR code or visit our events page. Loud and Awakening will be hosting a Bible reading marathon from April 30th to May 5th. Join other believers and friends as we read through the entire Bible, Genesis to Revelation, in 88 hours, ending on the National Day of Prayer. Follow the QR code or go online and sign up today for a reading slot. On May 1st, we are excited to share in child dedications, a time to present our children to the Lord for prayer and blessing in the witness of our congregation. If you and your family would like to be part of this special moment, please register online. Here at Free Life, we believe in kingdom giving and we invite you to give toward what God is doing. The easiest way to give is by scanning the QR code here with your mobile device. Checks or cash may be dropped in the connect box at the back of the sanctuary. We thank you for your partnership with us. Stay informed of upcoming events and important announcements by signing up for text updates and our newsletter. Simply text Free Life to 41400 to sign up. Remember, to learn about all of our upcoming events, please see the events page on our website. Thanks for joining us today.